welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 16th of November 2014, entitled Proving God in the Face of Evil. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'll do it a little different. We're going to stand. We're going to read just the first verse. Then I'm going to literally, I'm going to do probably more reading of Scripture than anything else this evening as we look at 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. And, uh, and really the thought this evening is simply proving God before the evil. Proving God in the face of evil is what I should say. Proving God in the face of evil. And I think that as we just look through these two chapters and point out a few things there to, uh, to help us because certainly relevant in our days as Elijah had to stand against the evil uh, of his day, all those false prophets. And uh, folks, we live in a day today when that, uh, it seems that sometimes, just as with him, Seems like like we're the only one standing and everything around us is false. But uh, let's stand. Let's honor the reading of God's Word as we read 1 Kings chapter 17. And then we'll look at a few things from, uh, from this passage. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Father, we thank you so very much this evening, Lord, that, Lord, we have this time to look into your word again this evening. And Lord, we're not so foolish to ever stand here and think that we have anything that would be worthwhile. Lord, we look to you this evening. We pray that it's your spirit that will use your word that will speak to our hearts Help us not to focus upon the words of man, but upon that which you have for us. And we will give you the praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. As we look through this, this, this passage, we see that as we look through chapter 17 and 18, it's really the culmination of, verse eight, of chapter 18 that we're heading towards. And I want you to just try and picture that scene in your mind, if you would. Because we're going to end up at the top of Mount Carmel. And there on the top of Mount Carmel, you can just imagine that uh, here stands this prophet, Elijah. He is there. And it would have been quite a dramatic scene. He would have been on a high cliff looking out literally on the horizon. He, I'm sure, would have just seen the, uh, the Mediterranean Ocean below him and whatnot. And there on this mountain, he's sitting there, and he's got this multitude of peoples all around him, but there's like 450 of these false prophets, and there's one of him. There's one of him. And in the end, it's their God against his God. And he proves his God in the face of that evil, in the face of that enemy. He proved to them who his God was. But the interesting thing is, there's a lot of things happened that got him to Mount Carmel. How was he able to stand in the face of that evil as he stood there on Mount Carmel when, you know, you look around and he's just just one poor, single, lowly creature that's standing there before all these others that are worshiping a different God. A lot of cases it might make somebody start having second thoughts, start having doubts, certainly begin to wonder if they've got the courage to stand and face. But see, as we begin, I want you to notice some things because really there's a couple of things that we see here. What we see at the top of Mount Carmel with Elijah is him proving his God in the face of evil for everybody to see. But before that, We need to realize that the only way that he could stand and prove his God publicly in the face of that evil, because he had already proved his God personally in his day-to-day life. You see, he was able to stand strong there because of his daily walk, because of the things that led up to that. And that's why I said we're going to do a fair bit of reading here, but I just want us to grasp and I want to encourage you this evening that 
there may be a Mount Carmel sometime. There may be a time when you seem like you're the only one single Lone Ranger out there fighting and everybody else is against you. But if you've got God, you've got everything and everybody that you need. We find this, we could look at many, many, many passages of Scripture where the, all the odds looked impossible. It doesn't make any kind of human sense that this guy would come out on top. And yet what I want you to know is to have the courage to be able to stand and to prove your God. You see, all we have to do is walk out the front door of our church nowadays. All we have to do is look around. And thank God some of those people are nice people and they're, they're friendly people. You know, I thank God that, you know, whether they ever get inside these doors or not, even a lot of those kids over there, I walk out the doors, hi, pastor, pastor, pastor. But the thing is, is that we know when we start going to those doors that we're the enemy. We know how they've reacted when some of those kids did come in our church. And the truth is, is that though they might be nice people individually, most of those out there are serving evil. They're serving a false God. They might think that it's the same God in a different way sometimes, but no, there's only one God, and there's only one way to him, and that's Jesus Christ. So as we stand in these evil days that we do, if we have to stand and face the evil that's before us, God is still the same God that he was of Elijah. And we find that when it begins here, that I think is very important, simple words that I underlined in my Bible he said, as the God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Elijah knew where his position was. He knew who he stood before, the God of Israel that was alive. And let me tell you today, he's still alive. We sang that song this morning, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That's what sets us apart from all those other religions. They're serving a bunch of dead gods, made up gods in the first place. We serve a living God, a living Savior that's alive and well. Notice, first of all, that I believe that we see that, first of all, Elijah here had to prove himself in the commonplace, if you would, in his everyday life, where he was, where he was. And so here he is, and he's praying, and he's starting out. He's got an awful lot of faith and confidence here. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word, hey, I'm here standing before my God, and I'm telling you, there's not going to be any rain. There's not even going to be as much as any dew on the ground until I say so. Until I say so, it's going to be dry. Notice what it says next there in, in verses uh, uh, 2 through 7. We find, I think, Elijah in one of those commonplace areas of his life where he had to prove God personally he says, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. He's the one that said there wasn't going to be any rain. But God said, okay, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to this place right there, and I'm going to meet your daily needs. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you the water's going to be there. Eventually, it's going to dry up because it's a drought. But this is where I want you at. You see, we find Elijah here having to prove himself in his day-to-day -day life in trusting God. God is the one that's by the word of the Lord. This is where I want you to be. And Elijah, if you're where I want you to be, you can trust me. You can trust me. I'll feed you. Here are the ravens, the birds come bringing him his food morning and evening. And he's there, but then the brook dries up. So what's he going to do now? You know, he's trying to survive, and there's no water. Notice what it says in verse 8. We find that 
not only in the commonplace in his life as he went there, but again, in his day-to-day life, but in more of a crisis we find in these next verses, it says, again, those same words, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, does the word of the Lord come unto us, saying, I, I had somebody say to me, I won't say when, I won't say who, but somebody was, was saying, you know, when we were talking about something that I had preached and talking about the fact of hearing God's voice, uh, of God actually coming and talking to someone and how that will, you know, man, wouldn't that be great? You know, we don't have that today. We don't actually get to hear the audible voice of God. And I said, but you're forgetting something. I said, that particular Old Testament saint that you're talking about, I said, you know, he didn't have God living in him every day either. You know, the Old Testament saints, God would come upon them for specific purposes at times when he wanted to do something. But in the New Testament, we have the spirit that lives within us. And this is the word of the Lord, just as sure as if he were speaking it with an audible voice. And God does speak the word of the Lord to us. By the power of his spirit, he brings these words alive. No, the natural man can't hear them, but they that belong to him, they'll hear his voice and they'll know his voice. Elijah It's the word of the Lord that's coming unto him. I'm saying to you today that if we're going to prove our God in the face of the evil that is around us, that just as Elijah day by day in his life is going to be proven when we listen to the word of the Lord, when we're in God's place, we've got to trust him in the daily things. He was trusting him for his daily essentials there by the brook. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Okay, Elijah, this is where I want you to go now. Now, I've already prepared things before you. I've already talked. There's a widow lady down there that that I've already made sure that she's going to take care of you. So he arose. And he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. (laughs) Pause there for a moment. (laughs) Now, he's just got through proving God down there by the brook. And God's taking care of him. Now, God said, Elijah, I want you to move on now to this place here. This is where I want you. And I've already prepared the way, and I've got this widow that's there, and she's going to take care of you. He gets there. There's this widow that God said is going to take care of him. Oh, I've got enough. My son and I are just getting ready to have our last meal. And then we're going to lay down and die because we got nothing else. Now, you might begin to wonder, God, do you really know what you're doing here? (laughs) You sent me here. You said this woman was going to take care of my needs. She don't have anything to help me with. (laughs) I mean, she's literally getting ready to die of starvation herself, and this is where you want me to be fed? That's probably what could have went through a lot of people's minds. But notice something different with Elijah. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. God said, Elijah, you go down there, and I've already sorted it out with this widow. She's going to take care of you. He gets there. she got nothing to take care of. He says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Go and do 
as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She, he, and her house did eat many days. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Elijah standing before God. He's listening to what God has got to say. Now, he's going to be facing a big enemy down the road. But right now, in his day-to-day -day life, he's having to prove God personally. First of all, he had to do it down there by the brook Cherith. And he trusted God there. It was because God said, Elijah, this is where I want you. Elijah's got the faith. He's proving God here. Okay, so all the circumstances seem to show to the contrary. I mean, who ever heard of such a thing? You keep getting the meal and getting the oil, and it, and it just never runs out. It just stays there. You get it, and it's still there. You get it, and it's still there. You get it, and it's still there. And they just kept on eating. Now, that's not going to make sense to a world. But see, why was his faith sufficient? Because... <laughs> It was according to the word of the Lord. It was because that's what God said. You see, we can live. We've got to, we'll never, ever, we'll never be able to prove our God in the face of, of, of evil, in the face of the enemy, if we're not even proving him day by day by day in our lives, whether it be just the normal, everyday, commonplace things, or whether it be in a crisis. I mean, it's a pretty big crisis when somebody's getting ready to lay down and die because they don't have enough food to even eat, and yet you're saying, feed me first, <laughs> and God will take care of it. Feed me first. Fix me something first, and then you can fix for yourself, and God will take care of you by the word of the Lord. He wasn't afraid. When he got down there, and the circumstances said everything different. And then we find that, notice it picks up in verse 17. Something else happens. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. This one that's been taking care of him. Now the son is sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Guess what's the matter when there's no breath left in you? You ain't alive no more. <laughs> in other words, this boy has died. There's no breath left in him. She said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee? O thou man of God, Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Elijah's fault. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode, laid upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, Hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. There was no breath. The soul was gone. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, 
Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and what? That the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. You see, day by day, whether it was down at the brook, whether it was in this widow's home, whether it was in that upper room with a dead boy before him, he's trusted God. The thing is, because that he proved God day by day in his life, whether it was the commonplace, whether it was a crisis, whether it was a calamity, whatever came along, he was living by the word of the Lord. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I know what God has said. You see, I believe that there's a very good likelihood. I'm not a soothsayer. I'm not a prophet in the sense of <laughs> telling you anything that you don't already have in this book. <laughs> but I believe there's a really good chance that it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> I believe it's going to get better when the Lord returns and sets up his kingdom, praise God. But between now and then, I believe that we're going to have to face the evil. We're going to have to face the enemy. And there's times that I think that you'll see as it's coming up in this next chapter when it may be nobody else around to help us. We may be out there when there's nothing but evil around us. But I'm saying, folks, we need not fear those days. If, first of all, we've proven God in our personal life, in our private life, if we've proved him day by day by day, regardless of what the circumstances, by walking where God wants us to be, by living according to his word, despite what everything looks like, despite what the circumstances and situations may dictate to us, we're standing before the Lord. We're living by his word, what he wants, where he wants. The day-to-day -day situations may come in all kinds of things, but when we're listening to God, we know it. We can trust it. If we're not proving him day by day in our lives in those times, we'll never prove him when we stand face to face with the evil. But I believe if we prove God as we see in chapter 17 in that day-to-day -day life, then I believe that regardless of what evil we stand before, regardless of what the enemy may throw at us, we will have the faith to prove our God. You see, even here, this woman says, I know that that's God. Because of what? Because of the reality of God that she'd seen through Elijah, God's servant. There's people all around you that the only truth they're going to see is what they see in your life. They're not picking up a Bible. They wouldn't pick up the Bible. But I'm saying to you, they can see the Christ within you. They can see your faith. They can see your walk. Just like with this lady here, because of what God was doing in the life of that one that belonged to God, she knew who God was. He was proving his God in that day-to-day -day life. But notice what happens then in chapter 18. It says that it came to pass after many days, there it is again, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. You know, sadly, there's too many believers today, too many Christians, that they wouldn't know the word of the Lord if they heard it. They don't spend enough time with the Lord. Oh, yes, his sheep will know his voice. But folks, we want to hear that familiar voice. We've got to be with him. This is where he speaks to us. He doesn't speak to us through the world. He doesn't speak to us. Yes, he uses circumstances. He uses other people. He uses things. But this is his word. This is where he speaks to us from. Elijah 
in the third year, he said, go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Three years, that's a pretty long drought. <laughs> Believe me, things were getting pretty parched. Elijah, I'm telling you that I want you to go and see Ahab, and I'll send rain upon the earth. Why did Elijah say it's not going to rain until my word says so? Not because Elijah was controlling the rain, <laughs> but because he was in touch with the one that was controlling the rain. <laughs> God would tell him when it was going to rain. And God's just told him here, Elijah, you go down there and see Ahab, and I'm going to send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. There was a sore famine in Samaria. I can imagine there was a famine. It hadn't rained in three years. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Sneaky rascal. Watching after God's people, though. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land unto all fountains of water and to all brooks. Peradventure, we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive that we lose not all the beast. You got to go out there. You got to look everywhere. You got to look under every rock. You got to find water somewhere. You got to find grass for these animals. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout Ahab went one way to himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. As Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me. As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation, and they found thee not. Man, he's been looking everywhere and sending everybody out there to, to figure out where in the world you were at, but nobody's been able to find you. And now thou sayest, Go tell the Lord, behold, Elijah is here. After he sent all those people out there off this, he's turned this world upside down trying to find you. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Yeah, I leave here, I go back there, I go tell Ahab that Elijah's here, and just sure enough, when I get back here, you're going to be off somewhere else again, and then guess who's going to get it? Was it not, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid 150 men of the Lord's prophets by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. I mean, you know, I, I, I feared God. I've taken care of God's people, and now you're trying to, to, to do this to me, to, to get me to go and tell him so that I'll end up losing my life. Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, there it is again, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. I'm not going anywhere, Obadiah. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass. When Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? <laughs> Are you that troublemaker? <laughs> You want to cause us all those problems? Then he answered, I have not troubled Israel, 
but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, for thou hast followed Balaam. You see, you're trying to blame me that's walking with God for the problems out here when it's you that's not walking in the path of the Lord. Elijah's been exactly where God wanted him to be when God told him to be there. Ahab said, you're the one that's caused all these problems. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you're the one that's not walking with God. Now, therefore, sin and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal, 450, the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long are you going to straddle the fence? <laughs> you know any of those in our society today? <laughs> they want on the one hand, they don't want to upset God, but they don't want to upset the world either. <laughs> How long? How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. People answered him not a word. <laughs> Man, I mean, he wasn't pulling any punches here, was he? <laughs> he was saying it like he is. Hey, look, you got to quit straddling the fence. You got to quit trying to go down the middle of this thing. You're going to have to make some choices in your life. Now, if my Lord be God, then you better follow him. If the Lord, do you notice in your Bible, you got a good Bible, <laughs> capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, not just any Lord, if the Lord, if Jehovah God be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They were speechless. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, Remain a prophet of the Lord. <laughs> but Baal's prophets are 450 men. I am the only one that's standing up and speaking for God. I mean, Baal's got 450 guys out there that are all claiming him to be the right one. I'm the only one. I'm God's only spokesman right now. I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. Let them get a bullock. Get it out there, put it on the altar, put all this wood under it, but don't set it on fire. Just leave it like it is. I'm going to do the same thing. And call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call upon the name of the Lord, Jehovah God. <laughs> and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Okay. <laughs> Man, you nuts enough to try this? You, it, this? This is you. This is your neck on the line. Nobody else's. We're all for that. <laughs> you find that verse 25 says, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, dress it first, for ye are many. All of you, call on the name of your gods. Don't put any fire under. They took the bullock, which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. There was no voice. There were any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar, which was made. So they got the bullock out there, and they got all the wood out there. And the Bible says, All day long. They're pleading for Baal to hear them, 
to answer their prayer. They don't get any response. So then it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Go ahead. Cry out to him. He's a God. Uh, I know what. It says either he's talking. He, he's just busy having a conversation with somebody else right now. That's why you've been calling him all day and nothing's happened. Or he is pursuing. Oh, he's busy right now. He's out doing something else. He's pursuing somebody else. Or he's in a journey or peradventure. He's sleeping. He's just taking a nap. <laughs> and you just need to wake him up. Must be awakened. You see, when he's proving God publicly, the first thing that he's doing here, and he's doing it in a rather cheeky way, is he's exposing the error. He's exposing them for exactly who they are. Here you are. You've been calling on your God all day long. Come on, call on him. Call on him. You know he's there. You know he's God. He's just busy or talking to somebody else or he's out and about. Just, just keep calling on him. You know that he'll turn up. He's mocking them. He's making fun of them <laughs> because he knows that they're absolutely foolish stupid. They're out there calling on a God that doesn't even exist. And they cried aloud, cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. Man, they're cutting themselves. They're getting themselves into a real frenzy. But guess what? They're not hearing anything from their supposed God. Nothing. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. You see, First of all, he exposed the error. <laughs> but then, after he's exposed the error, guess what he's doing? He's exalting or explaining, if you would, the truth. He's espousing the truth. He's going to show them the reality. He's, he's shown them the falseness of the evil of the enemy. But here, he's going to show them what's real. So he's built the altar. And you know what the altar is symbolic of in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, the altar was just a temporary symbol because one day it was going to be the cross at Calvary. The final sacrifice was going to be made at Calvary on the tree. But here in the Old Testament, he's building the altar. Using these stones, representing all the 12 tribes of Israel. And it says, and he put the wood in order. And he cut the bullock in pieces, so now he's let them do their thing. Now he's over here. But when he builds his, he uses these stones of the 12 tribes. He builds this altar to God. He cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. <laughs> I mean, he's always challenged these guys. He's out to cut, put, cut their bullock and to put him out there and to put all this wood and to get their God to start that fire. Well, now it's his turn. But he's going to really make it interesting. I mean, their wood was dry. It was ready to burn. <laughs> he says, I want you to saturate this one with water. 
I want you to get four barrels of water and I want you to pour it on the sacrifice and upon the wood. I want you just to soak this thing down. And he said, do it the second time. <laughs> Come on, get some more water. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. <laughs> and they did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar and filled the trench also with water. I mean, they're putting so much water, it's running everywhere, and it's filling up the ditches that they drug around it. <laughs> hmm. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near, and he said, this now is his prayer. He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God of is in, in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Now, I'll say that in a minute. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. That's his prayer. Elijah said, Lord, but you know, one thing I found so interesting when I was reading that, God, I want you to do this thing now. I mean, you know, they're going to know that you're God. But now, you got to keep in mind, Elijah's not out there playing some foolish game. He's not out there calling the fire down from heaven so that they can see what a great God that he is. It's very, very important. Even when he's talking to God in his prayer, he says, I want him to know that you're God of in Israel, that I'm your servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. How is he proving himself day by day? By the word of the Lord. He was doing exactly what God said. That's how he was living his day-to-day -day life. That's how he had the faith to be able to face all of those things, to prove his God day by day, whatever the circumstances, whatever came at him, he was proving God. He believed God because he was walking with God and he was listening to God. And even there on Mount Carmel now, when he's facing the evil, when he's facing the enemy, He's praying, saying, Lord, I'm just doing what you told me to do. <laughs> I'm doing this because God told me to. I'm not out there just like the devil tried to tempt Jesus. Do this, do that, do that. Jesus said, tempt not the Lord thy God. <laughs> I'm not going to throw myself down from here. You know, this nice, there's a lot of people around us playing foolish games, calling God to do all kinds of things that aren't but... Elijah, even here before the enemy, he's wanting to know that <coughs> he's done exactly what God told him to do. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. I mean, boy, when God sent down the fire, he didn't mess about. It didn't just set the wood on fire. All this stuff was soaked with this water. It comes down, it totally wipes out the sacrifice, the wood, the water that's running around in the trenches. There's nothing left. It says he just licked it up. It was gone. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, Jehovah God, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, this is interesting, huh? <laughs> Remember when this chapter started, they three years into drought. They're sending him out even just to try to find a blade of grass somewhere for the, for the animals to eat. I mean, it's a parched world. Not a bad place to be trying to call down fire because huh, 
I mean, you know, where I come from, I, I've seen these forest fires start out when you get into a drought and you've got literally, you know, just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of acres of dry trees out there. It don't take much to set it on fire. Of course, it was interesting. I, I tried to figure out, you know, they're, they're in all this drought, and yet Elijah's not just, man, he's out there wasting water like mad. <laughs> he's just pouring barrels and barrels and barrels of water. He knows something they don't know. <laughs> pouring it all on there. God does what Elijah's prayed for him to do. Now we find that he tells them here, Elijah said to Ahab, after he's, <laughs> they're gone now. It was one against 450. Guess what? The 450 don't exist anymore, but the one does. <laughs> God's one. He's the only one that's still surviving after this. And Elijah said, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is, I hear something. I hear something, Ahab. I hear the sound of rain. Ahab's probably looking around, man, you have lost it now. <laughs> what rain? I don't see any rain anywhere. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time. That was a number of completion, isn't it? That he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You see, first of all, Elijah, in order to be able to prove his God, in the face of evil, in the face of his worst enemies at that time, him, one lone guy, against 450 of them, and everybody else standing back looking. <laughs> the nation of Israel standing there looking, okay, get it on. We want to see who's going to win this. You see, they were pretty quiet when Elijah was talking to them. But when Elijah took it upon himself, they were quite happy then. <laughs> they were quite happy to sit back and to watch. I just want to encourage you. I'm not talking about doing something foolish, but I'm talking about when you're standing before God, when you're walking with God, when it's his word that you're following, You'll be able to prove God in the face of your enemies. No question about it. But you're only going to do that if you prove God day by day in your Christian life. In those circumstances that you're all going to face. And sometimes it's so easy to get disheartened, to get discouraged, to, to get down. Man, I must have missed it. <laughs> I was sure this is what God told me. This can't be right. Doesn't make sense. The truth is, God always makes sense. Sometimes the circumstances don't. Sometimes it's not all that you can see. But if you'll prove God day by day in your personal life, when it's to do with you, sometimes when there's Nobody else around. When he was there by the brook, there was nobody else to see or know. He was just walking with God and talking with God and 
doing what God told him to do. Then it was a small one. It's just, just a woman and one guy that, you know, was there. But suddenly he's out there before the whole nation. But he had proved God in the little things, in the day-to-day things, in the personal things, before that he was able, by the word of the Lord, God was directing his path. He was able to prove God in the face of evil before the enemy. He was able to stand up and say, this is my God. Huh. Go ahead. He wasn't afraid of what was going to happen when they called upon their gods. He had no fear whatsoever of it. He knew where he was. He knew what he was facing. Bad times are coming without a doubt. We may live to see them. Wouldn't surprise me if we live at all (laughs) that we live to see this world get a lot more evil than it is right now. But we can prove our God in the face of that evil, in the face of that enemy. But if we're going to do it out there before them, (laughs) we got to do it day by day in our personal life. Walk with him. Listen to him. Don't do it your way. Be where God wants you to be, doing what God's told you to do, not doing your own thing. Elijah could have been out there doing his own thing. He could have said, huh, I'm not hanging around here. I'm not doing this. Why am I going to trust this woman to feed me? You know, she ain't got enough to feed herself. (laughs) He could have done all kinds of things, but he trusted God. Father, we thank you this evening that Lord, in this familiar story that most of us have probably read many times, I just pray that you can take and, Lord, speak to our hearts this evening and encourage us in the fact that, Lord, we know that there's a host of evil around us. We know that sometimes the enemy seems so strong. Sometimes we may feel that we're out there on our own and we just don't have a lot of help and we're fighting this battle and How in the world do we have a chance? Lord, help us to be reminded. Help us day by day in our personal lives, just as Elijah did, to prove you by standing with you, by walking with you where you send us, by living according to your word, trusting and believing what you say in your word, (coughs) no matter what anybody or anything says otherwise. Help us, Lord. Help us to have that faith. You tell us, Lord, that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You tell us, Lord, that if we have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, that we could remove mountains. Lord, there's so many promises there. I pray, Lord, I know it's hard sometimes because we don't want to be part of the hocus-pocus stuff that goes on around us. We want to be walking with you and listening to you, but Lord, help us not to be a box and shut you out and not realize that you are still the God of Elijah. You can do whatever you want to do. Help us, Lord, to trust you, to walk with you, to live by your words. Help us to prove you in our lives. Help us to prove you before the world. We'll give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.